Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Come on, let's let all our veterans know. Come on, let's give them a big hand clap today. Thank you for serving. We salute you. We honor you. Thankful for you that we get to enjoy all the freedoms that we do because of your sacrifice. Come on, about 10 more seconds. Happy Veterans Day. We honor you today. Awesome. Amen. Amen. We do salute our veterans and we honor you today. And so thankful for each of you that have served our country. Um, this morning, uh, thank you again for being here. We are continuing our series called Beyond the Numbers. We kicked it off last weekend. Every November, we take a little time to talk about finances. And, uh, you know, it's been said that there's two things that everybody wants more of, and that's money and sex. <laughs> and the church doesn't talk about either of them enough. Aren't you thankful to be a part of a church that talks about those issues? Amen? It's stuff we deal with. We got to talk about it. And so the idea behind this series is that money's connected to the heart. Where your money is, your heart is. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That means that my heart moves in the direction of my money. And so it's very important that we, we operate Uh, from the principles God has given us if we want to enjoy money God's way. Uh, Money is not a bad thing. Money's not evil. Money's money's not good either. Money is what we would call amoral. It simply means that money takes on the personality of the person who has it. And so if you got a good heart, then you're going to do good things with your money. If you have an evil heart, you're going to do evil things with money. So uh, we, we have to understand that money takes on who we are. And I believe that money uh, makes us more of what we already were. Either more of it or the lack of it, it just makes us more of that. So um, I have watched our church grow, in, not only in attendance, but I have watched our church grow in generosity. I have watched us over this 11-year span, I've watched us grow in this and, and develop a heart of generosity. And I believe that there are people under the sound of my voice that would love to do more, but you feel strapped financially. You have a heart to do more than what you are currently doing, but either through decisions you've made, choices you've made, maybe some you haven't made, but life has happened and you're just in a place where you're not able to be as generous as you would like to be. This series is for you. I'm I'm hoping that this series will give you a little hope as it relates to money. Our series in October, we talked about taming the tongue. And I want to be honest, that was one of the most difficult sermon series we've ever done. And I don't feel like this series is difficult like that. That, Let me say it like this. It's easier to manage your money than it is to tame your tongue. Come on, somebody. You, you know, you know, so that Taming Your Tongue series was difficult. You know, it was a difficult topic. This shouldn't feel that way. This should give us a little hope. And I want to call this messy. I want to stick with the series title. I just want to call this 
specific message beyond the numbers. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6, starting in verses 9 and 10. It says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The Apostle Paul is talking here specifically about those who want to be rich. They are driven to be rich. And, and we could actually rephrase that as those who have the wrong thoughts concerning money. They have the wrong thoughts concerning money that they wander into destruction, they fall into a trap, and their love of money produces grief in their life. Now, I'm a pastor, so one of the things that I want to make sure is that you don't fall in to the trap of greed, into the trap of your whole life is about money. Your whole life is about, you know, I'm going to build well. That, that can't be your entire life. The Apostle Paul said that some people walk away from God and they pierce themselves because they are eager, because they love money. Again, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We want our hearts to be on God, but the only way to make sure that my heart is on God is that I, I place my stuff in the right direction. Because my heart follows my stuff. My heart follows the money trail. And I want to, you know, just fill you guys in. My parents are amazing people. And I don't say that just because I'm their son. I say that because I have watched them up close and I've watched them from a distance. And they are some of the most compassionate, hospitable people on the planet uh, Karen can testify to their hospitality and the way they view life. And, and so they taught me a lot of valuable things, but one of the most important things that they taught me was the value of bringing to God what belongs to God first. Like, they didn't just tell me that, they modeled that. And so I never struggled with the concept of generosity. I never struggled with the concept of tithing. Like that, that wasn't like a dirty word to my ears because my parents lived it out. They modeled it. They taught me and my brother that principle. And so I have never made a dime that I haven't tithed on. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I say that because it was something passed down to me from my parents because the tithe has the power to break the curse. And so it taught me something at a very young age that my first job, y'all, I wasn't even saved. I didn't even know Jesus. Didn't know him. But the first check I cut was a tie check. And, and it was because I had watched how God blessed my parents. Now, I, I got to say a couple of things here real quick before I get into some principles that I want to give you. You need to give yourself permission to be blessed. And I say that, and, and, and some of us, that went right over our head, because in, in West Virginia culture, we don't celebrate people being blessed. We normally criticize them. Like, like if somebody came in and said, you know, I got a $50,000 a year raise, some of us would be mad. 
that's a problem. When people connected to you are blessed, if they're millionaires, you should be the first to celebrate it. You should thank God that they're blessed because what you can't celebrate for someone else, don't ever expect to enjoy yourself. And, and listen, our culture is different. I, I get to travel a lot, and every culture is not like West Virginia culture. West Virginia culture will pull you down quick if you're blessed. It will grab at you to pull you down. But there are places where people celebrate the blessing of God in another person's life. And I just want to say up front, if you can't celebrate what God does for someone else, then you're probably not prepared to receive what God wants to do in your life. Now, I want to give you five quick principles that are natural. Everybody say natural. These are natural principles that work, natural principles that I believe in, but then we're going to shift gears and we're going to go from the natural to the spiritual, all right? So if you sat down with any financial advisor, any financial planner, they're going to walk you through five basic categories every single time. The first one is the, is the category of earning. Everybody say earning. Earning. You, you got to, first off, you got to talk about how much you make. And um, young people you got to have something to manage, so you may want to get off the, the gaming systems and get a job, all right? And that's number one right there. You may want to just get a job so that you have something to manage. So you have to talk about earning. Uh, my dad at times had to work two jobs. How many know that, that if you want to earn more, you got to be willing to work at it? And, and maybe that's one job. Maybe that's two jobs. Maybe, maybe you got to get away from some people to go and earn, and what I would say about earning, this is a natural principle. What I would say about that is that the anointing, you can read this in 1 Kings chapter number 19, not on the screen, but the anointing was for the prophet and for um, the king. And, and so it speaks of, if you study this out, it's for the, the anointing is for the fivefold ministry. Doing what I'm doing, how many of you understand I got to be anointed to do this? Like, I need God's presence on my life to be able to do what I do. But we usually relegate the anointing to someone who holds a microphone and preaches or someone who holds a microphone and sings. We think that's the anointing. But the anointing is not just for the prophet. The anointing is for the king. And it, kings would go out and conquer, take over, and then resource the vision that the prophet would give. And so there needs to be an anointing not only in the church, there needs to be an anointing on you in the marketplace. You, you need to understand it is the Lord, according to Deuteronomy, that gives you the power to get wealth. And so you, you, how in the world is the, the wealth of the wicked going to be laid up for the righteous if the righteous don't know they're anointed to take hold of that money? And so check this out. I'm going to give you another print. Some of y'all are going to struggle with this, but you got to grab this. The same anointing that is on the preacher is on the banker. The same anointing that is on the one leading worship is also on the one who's building a business. Listen, it's not two different anointings. The same anointing that is on those of us in fivefold ministry is the same anointing that's on you 
in the workplace. Jesus carried the cross on his way to Golgotha through, not the back street of Jerusalem, through the main street of Jerusalem, through the area of commerce and through the area of business on his way to the cross. I believe we got enough crosses in the church. We need some crosses in the marketplace, in the areas of business, some people that know that they've been anointed to prosper. See, they're like, yeah. You need to understand the anointing is on your life to prosper. And so we have to talk about earning. Any financial advisor would tell you you got to earn money if, you got any, if you're going to have anything to manage. Secondly, any financial planner would tell you you got you to control the spending. Spending is an issue. 90% of Americans do not have a budget. You know what that says? It says we buy whatever we want and just pray that our money outlasts the month. Right? Like we're just going to do what we want to do and just pray that God will, will help us. The third category is the area of saving. The Bible tells us very clearly we should not spend everything we make. Well, we have a system set up that not only do we spend everything we make, the average American spends 136% of their income. Because we got Visa. We have MasterCard. And so we, we spend it all and we don't even have money and we're buying things to impress people we don't even like. With money we don't have. And so we swipe the card, and then we spend the next eight years paying off a pizza. I hope you like that pepperoni, baby. Come on, if you got to charge it every once in a while, we got to put that stuff away. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching all right so far? All right, I'm making sure I'm in the right place. 8.30 made me plow, all right? The fourth area is investing. And this is the fun part. That's when you're no longer working for money. Your money starts working for you. It's at, you're sleeping and your money's growing. What a novel idea. I'm not just slaving for the, for the dollar, but my, my money's actually working and growing for me. And, and, and it's not, listen, when it comes to investing... Qual, uh, quantity is not, is not what it's about, like, or, or, quality, or how much, I'll word it that way. How much is not what's important. It, it's really not about how much you invest, it, it's actually how much time you invest. All right, so time is your friend with investments. And what I mean by that, for those of you under the age of 25, you're going to love this. The average car payment is $484 a month in, in this nation. 484. Now, 484 may not sound like that much money to some of you. Maybe for some it sounds like a lot of money. But if you took the $484 and instead of buying the new car, you continued to drive the hoopty. And you took the $484 at age 25 and you put it in the right investment. By age 65, 40 years later, that $484 a month that may seem insignificant will turn into $5 million. I hope you like the car. Y'all in this place. So it's not, it's not how much I'm investing. 
It's how much time. And so that was something that I, that I didn't get early enough. And so if you are young, you're a high schooler today, you're in college today, I would tell you that even if it's $100, what, what, go ahead and start that process and let your money start working for you. The fifth area they would talk to you about is giving. And this is where it's kind of upside down because any financial advisor, financial planner will tell you, you got to earn, you, you got to control spending, you need to save, invest, and if you have any left, give. Now, we learned last week giving is first. We, we learned that we bring to God what belongs to Him first. So it's a little, now, I want to say, I want to clarify, I believe in, in these steps, but I am saying giving is first. All right? I believe that these things work. So that's, that's from a natural perspective. But we know that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts is higher than our thoughts. And God has an economy a lot of times that we miss out on because we have the wrong thinking about money. And so here's the verse that I want to give you because we're moving from natural to spiritual. Haggai chapter number 1, verse number 5. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Some of y'all are like, that's my life verse right there. I'm earning money, but it's going into a bag, and it's leaking out. And God says, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, why do you do what you do financially? Why do, why do you make the decisions that you make? A lot of us are doing the numbers. And I would suggest, as your pastor, do the numbers. Go get it. Do the numbers. Make money. Like, do, do, go do it. But also, go beyond the numbers. Because money is not just a natural thing. Money is a spiritual thing. And money is connected to the heart. It's the only thing where Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. All right? He, he could have used anything he wanted to there. But he said, you can't serve God and money. And God says so much about money, more than any other subject except faith, and so I believe in these natural steps I gave you, but we have to look at it spiritually because 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20 says this, Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? So every, all that natural stuff, God makes the wisdom of the world look foolish. All right? How many know that God's ways are completely different than the world's ways? Right? So we, we understand that. So we're going to build these five points off of those five natural things any financial advisor would give you. All right? Number one, we talked about earning. Instead of just thinking about earning, here's what we need to be thinking about. Calling versus compensation. Calling versus compensation. The amount of money you make will not bring fulfillment. It's not about that. There is nothing quite like knowing why you've been placed on this earth. That brings even more fulfillment than a large bank account. That knowing why you exist, and, and, and so really the key to life, guys, listen, 
is being able to leverage your life in the direction of your calling. That if I can leverage my time, my talents, my resources, I can leverage all of that into the calling God has for me. That's why we do something called next steps. We want to rally everyone around their purpose. There's nothing worse than watching somebody try to do something they're not gifted to do. How many know it's painful? It's painful to watch somebody try to play basketball that shouldn't be out there. It's painful to listen to a preacher that's not called to preach. Come on, you you thought it before. It, it's painful to watch people do something that they're not called or gifted to do. And so we don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. And that's where the focus has to go. Leveraging what we do have in the direction of our calling. And so, with that being said, we also need to understand that the gift, when we talk about the anointing and gifts, we usually only talk about preaching, prophesying, speaking in tongues, all that stuff, spiritual gifts. But did you know there's an actual gift of giving that the Bible's very clear on? Some people are actually, they actually possess a gift of giving. That they they use their life to give. Have you ever met someone that everywhere they go, they're just a blessing to people and they're always trying to give something away? And, and, and what is that? That is a, a gift of giving. Some of you all have an actual gift of giving. That giving doesn't make you nervous. You understand that it's more blessed to give. That word blessed there, more blessed to give, actually means happy. I'll talk about this later, but the happiest people in the world are the most giving people in the world, and the most miserable people on the planet are stingy people. Just say amen or oh me. It's either one. It's all right. Whichever way you need to take that. Acts 20, 24 says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete it, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You have a, I want you to hit your neighbor and tell them, you have a calling too. That's what he's, he's talking about, calling. You, you have a calling too. So it's not just about earning or compensation, all right? It's about calling. Now, if you're numbers only, you talk earning, and then you talk spending, right? we got to control spending. But instead of looking at spending, we're going beyond the numbers, and we have to talk about contentment versus consumerism. Now, this one is pivotal. This one is so, so important because we live in a society that wants us to want more. And, and, and so we spend our life wanting more, and we don't just want more. Y'all know how it works. We want more, and we want it now. Like we, we don't, We're not talking like, I want more in five years. We want more, and we want more now. And, and so the principle that's lost in all that in this uh, consumer society is a principle that's a biblical principle, and that is the principle of contentment. Look at what Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says. It says, don't always be wishing for what you don't have for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Man, so many of us, we, we bought into the idea of consuming 
consuming, consuming, and we're still not happy even though we have everything money. We still pray, and God, just help me win that billion-dollar lottery. Lord, I'll, be, I'll, I'll give you your, your portion first, Lord. See how quiet it is? We can't manage the $30,000 a year we make now, but we want to convince the Lord that we can manage a billion. Oh, I can manage it, preacher. I can know. If you can't manage what you have, you can't manage more than what you have. Do you know every statistic shows that the more we make, the more we spend? The more we make, the less generous we become. Do you know who gives the most in America? The poorest people. They give the highest percentage of their income. The more wealthy we become, the less percentage we give. And so this has to change. The happiest people on the planet have the least. And if you don't believe me, go on a missions trip. Go on a mission. You'll find kids there that all they have is a stick and a rock, and they're happier than the kid in America that has four different gaming systems. I, I, I got to tell on my 10-year-old, my 10-year-old son Zeke turned 10 last week, and, and so we normally want to do like a Washington Redskin game. We're Redskin fans, so you need to pray for us. I know we need help. But this year, the schedule just didn't coincide with, with when we could go. So we could not do a Redskin game. Uh, but he still wanted to do an NFL game. And so we went to Pittsburgh on Thursday night for the Thursday night game between Pittsburgh and Carolina. We were there. Uh, great game. If you like offense, man, it was the place to be, 52 to 21. But it's about a five-hour drive to Pittsburgh. I'm going somewhere with this. Five-hour drive to Pittsburgh. And he's got and, – and Mama Bear – has him packed up. He's got, he's got a whole giant bag full of goodies. Like, I'm talking drinks and food. He's got gaming systems. He's got iPad. He's got, I don't know how many of them little DS games he's got. He's got everything. Like, he should be good for at least four weeks. Like, I'm thinking, we're good. We take off. We haven't made it an hour. And he's already rolling around on the car. I'm bored. I said, are you kidding me? All that food, all those drinks, those gaming systems, iPad with mute headphones, like you got everything. Like all I had, son, and I hate to tell on my age, but right here's going to give it away. All I had on a trip was a Walkman. Y'all remember what a Walkman was? Come on, that's all I had. And I couldn't even hit the next song. We had to fast forward it and then stop it right on the right. You know what I'm talking about. Like it wasn't just, come on. I said, you can't be bored. But the problem is our kids are growing up in a society of we want more and we want it now. And it's a problem. Contentment is a powerful thing. Contentment can change our life. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. There is a secret to contentment. And the secret to contentment is realizing you're already blessed. If God never does another thing, He's already done enough for you. 
And that's hard to get to a place where you believe that you're already blessed. But I want to help some folks today realize that there are people all over the world that would trade places with you. That would trade places right now with you. Because we are blessed. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. Some of us today, the best thing that can happen to us is for us to get a revelation of what we've already received. What God has already blessed us with. Now, this third principle that we dealt with was saving. Um, I believe in saving. I absolutely do. As the Scripture says, that, that it's, it's not the right thing to do to spend everything you make. The Proverbs tell us that the person who spends everything that he makes is a fool. But the person who has an ability to save, right, they have options. How many money gives you options in life? And, and if you save and don't spend everything, you have more options than somebody who is always depleted. And so I believe in savings, but there is one thing about saving that becomes a trap to people. What happens is, is that we start putting our trust and our security in our savings. And money was never meant to make you secure. And we even use the wording, I want to be financially secure. Because if I've got enough money saved, enough money put aside, then I'm good. If I get sick, I'm still good. I lose the job, I'm still good. I want to say you should have a savings. And you should probably have three to six months of expenses. In sa- I'm for savings. But I am not for your security being in a financial account. Our security does not come from money. Our security comes from God. That's where our security comes from. And, and so that's the third point. God-dependent versus independent. Proverbs 18.11 says, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. And so we have this notion, what he's saying here is we have this notion that if we have money, then, then we're fortified. If we got money, we're good. If we got money, we're okay. And I'm not against you having money. God has anointed you to prosper. I'm just saying that if you think your security is in money, that's your imagination. That's your imagination. Money is not our security. Man, what a... What, I mean, paper. We got paper. We think that's our security. How many know God's a whole lot bigger than your bank account? Somebody like, yeah, He is. <laughs> he is. I ain't got much in it. <laughs> I probably should have chosen another analogy right there. <laughs> Proverbs 38 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Man, I love that because... Listen, whether you're a billionaire or you're living in extreme poverty, we still trust God. See, the the, the temptation of the rich, it's not wrong to be rich as long as you know where your security comes from. The problem with the rich is a lot of times is that we we stop trusting God. And, And I say we because Americans, no matter what class you're in, you're rich. You're in the top 2% of the world no matter what you make if you live in this nation. So hit your neighbor and say, you're rich. 
All right? You're rich. Some of we slept in a nice warm bed. We ate breakfast. We drove a nice vehicle over to church. Got our Sunday best on. We're rich. But we don't trust money. We trust God. That's why he said our daily bread. So I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. So I'm going to look to God as my source. From the natural point of view, we look at earning, spending, saving. We also look at investing. But we're going beyond the numbers. So instead of just investing natural in the natural sense, we need to look at stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. We are, as the people of God, we are investing in someone else's interest. Like, and the best way for me to explain that to you is God is owner, we are the stewards. God doesn't just own the tithe, he owns it all. So we are managing what belongs to God. We are stewarding what belongs to him. And so you guys are operating in this, in this principle because you can't have 600 people give their life to Jesus unless we are managing what God has blessed us with in a way... Come on, somebody, in a way that honors God. It takes money to reach lost people. I'll just let that go. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. All of our investments are not about earth. I think we, we sometimes get caught off in thinking all investments are about here. All investments are about now. All investments are about the earth. But when you give into the kingdom of God, did you know it never dies? That you, you, you can't take your wealth with you, but you can send it on ahead. Isn't that powerful to know that your investment into the kingdom of God never dies? And I'm for all these principles that any advisor would give you. But I'm also wanting you to know that we're investing in a kingdom that's eternal. That there, there will be people in heaven you're going to meet that got saved because you gave. They, they got, their lives were changed because you invested in the kingdom of God. Matthew 13 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. You know what he's saying here? When you find out what really matters in life, you will leverage everything else on what actually matters. I'm going to invest in what matters. Now we're going to wind down as the worship team comes back. The fifth area is the area of giving. Any financial advisor would give you. We're, we're going beyond the numbers. God's ways are higher than our ways. So we're not just looking at if I have anything left, I'm going to give. We know giving comes first. But let's look at this from this standpoint. Generosity versus misery. Generosity versus misery. The most miserable people on the planet are stingy people. The happy people are generous Acts 20, 35, the Lord himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The word blessed means happy. 
that there is a happiness, there is a joy, there is a, a, a sense of fulfillment that comes when you and I operate in generosity. And there is a sadness, a gloom, and a doom that comes over us when we hoard everything and we're greedy and we don't want to let go of anything. That's why he said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we know this is true. If you're out to dinner and you, you're out to eat with someone and at the very end, you, you all ever fought with people over the check? Come on, you ever been there? I'll get No, I'll get it. And you have this wrestling match over who's going to get it. I mean, the reason you do that is because it actually, even though you appreciate when somebody buys you the dinner, you like that. But how many of you know when you leave that dinner, it always feels better if you grab the check and you paid the bill? There, there is something about the giving part. I love receiving. I, I do. Any, anybody like Christmas? Anybody like getting gifts? Like, we like receiving. Like, I'm not saying that's not enjoyable. But man, it's a whole lot better when you're, when you, you ever bought somebody that gift and they just loved it. Like that feeling that comes with you blessing someone. There, there is something powerful about generosity, about giving that, that you can't really enjoy just on the receiving end. It's only on the giving end. See, the value of my life isn't determined by how much I achieve or accumulate, but by how much of my life I give away. See, this is why a lot of Americans are miserable. Because life is all about achieving. Life's all about accumulating. And we think somehow if we keep achieving and accumulating enough, that eventually we'll get happy. And it doesn't matter how many years go by, how many zeros they add to my paycheck, we keep accumulating, we keep achieving, and we never arrive at a place of joy and contentment with that because life is not about how much I receive. Life is about how much of myself am I giving away. And when I say generosity, I'm not talking about just financial. How much kindness am I sowing into another human being? How much joy am I bringing to an atmosphere at work? How much of myself am I willing to invest in the life of another person? That's what life is about. How much of me can I give away? 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, command them to do good. Paul telling Timothy, command the church to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I don't believe that today, Bethesda, I don't believe I have to command you to do this. I believe people are growing in generosity in this church. I don't think I have to command you to do this. I think I can just remind you. Let's be rich in good deeds. Let's be generous. Let's, let's not be consumers. Let's be content. This Christmas, we're, we're coming up on Christmas. I'm going to help some parents right now. I'm going to help some people. Don't spend the holiday season trying to outdo what you did last season. 
Some of us, we, we go above and beyond with certain things. And then we, like, we, we go all out Christmas 2018. We're going all out. We're going to get everybody everything they want. We're just going to double down. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. And then we got to spend all of 2019 paying off Christmas of 2018. At some point, we're not doing this to impress people. Oh, my. We plowing. We plowing. I want you to stand with me today all over this building. Get the numbers right, but I want to encourage you to go beyond the numbers. And the reason is because God's way works. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around for these next couple of moments. If you're in this place today and you're not in right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, you need to be forgiven and saved. If that's you today, it's a great opportunity to give your life to Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you today, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, I need Jesus to save me today. I need him to forgive me. If you're watching online, we would love to pray for you as well. Anyone at all, you say, that, that's me today. Anyone at all. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come get in place. As they come and get in place, I just want to pray over you before we sing this last song. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you in the, in, in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. And God, we are praying, God, over our hearts, over our minds, to help us, God, to have the right perspective and the right thoughts about money. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to grow in generosity, to grow in giving. I pray, God, that you would help us to leverage our lives to invest it into your kingdom. Help us to understand, God, that life is not just about what we accumulate, but, God, what we give away. God, help us to see, God, that we're not going to be known for the number in our bank account, but we will be known by our good deeds and what we made happen for others. Help us, God, to understand that it truly is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Help us to operate in a heart of generosity every day to pick up the tab for somebody's coffee to buy someone lunch to God to, to sow acts of kindness God during this Thanksgiving season God God I pray that you put some people on our hearts and on our minds God that may be struggling financially God that you would help us to meet the need for them God Lord we pray God that you would continue to bless this church so that we could be a blessing to our region and to our world we thank you God because it is the Lord who gives us the power to get well and God, we're asking that you help us to utilize that wealth to be a blessing everywhere we go. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. amen. Let's give God a praise today. If you need prayer, don't leave without it. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.